0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. Spend my dollar. It's not about what you want, it's about what you're
1: willing to do to get it. Uh Run it again Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time, for the listeners that didn't get to go, this is the payback.
0: Alabama wins. What you did last year really doesn't matter.
1: Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Hello and welcome to an entering the bye week early edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. I know that speaks to me, recording on Wednesday. I don't know. It's been a long time since uh, since we've done that. Uh, but entering the bye week early also describes the Crimson Tide's win over Mississippi State. But not exclusively in the ways that you might expect. The Tide rested or held out a number of players due to injury. Uh, Saban hasn't talked about this specifically in a long time, but he used to really really get into the idea of two weeks off is more than twice than better than one week uh, of rest. And so holding out a number of... Uh, Of folks going into the bye week. I'm not a doctor, and today I'm not going to play one on the podcast, but I wonder if there was a lot of confidence in the team, a lot of confidence in the backup, and that played into holding out so many guys, especially on the defense. It's a question you can't ask coach because he's going to get all sort of worked up about assuming that you're going to beat the opponent. Uh, But goodness gracious, it really looks like we held folks out intentionally. There's only a couple of guys that I think could not have gone. And uh, again, uh, not trying to play uh, medic here, but I think a number of the guys that were held out probably could have gone if the need had been there. So we'll see where that goes. I think it also sets the stage for Alabama to get right here uh, in a hurry as we get to the home stretch. I want to be careful about that. Uh, If this were a month ago, I think I could really invest into the fact that this team is developing. Here, wrapping up week eight. That's a lot of lipstick on the pig, and so I want to be careful uh, about that. Uh, But let's do this. Let's get back uh, from our own bye week, uh, luxuriating. uh, I mean, self-scouting. And um, offense, it's time to advance the ball. Yes, yes, you can do it. You can do it, offense. Come on, come on. All right, here we go. We're going to start like we do with Bryce Young. And Bryce Saturday was spectacular in ways that prove that he can't do it alone. Uh, There were miraculous scrambles with truly some fantastic results. Uh, He had 11 different receivers. Actually, Bryce hit 10. Uh, We'll talk about that. Bryce hit uh, 10 different receivers, so completely distributing the ball. No one had more than a couple of catches, uh, so it was a lot of people rotating, we're going to talk about the receivers. Uh, Bryce did have two touchdowns, which is really nice. And and I, I struggled to say only, but he had 249 yards. And we're used to Bryce having uh, a week ago against Tennessee, he had 455 yards. And so 249 looks much more pedestrian. But it was a good day. Alabama put up 30 points uh, on the day, uh, significantly more than than was needed. I'll say Jameer Gibbs, uh, uh, another sort of Star Worth. Uh, on the Alabama offense was largely bottled up. He had 10 carries for 37 yards. He had an incredible, uh, well-blocked, spectacular 19-yard run for a touchdown. Other than that, again, he he demonstrated that he was also unable to do it alone. So, you know, these offensive performers that are top, top-flight players – uh, they definitely need uh, a, a supporting staff, or they need uh, the supporting staff to, uh, to step up. That's players and coaches, I would say. I thought that the running back rotation looked a little unsettled uh, for my, uh, to my eye. I thought Jace McClellan and Roydale Williams, they both played okay. Uh, nothing, I'm not certainly not mad at either how they played. I thought Roydale came in a lot earlier than he normally does to, to spell Jace. So I thought that was interesting. I wonder, I wonder if realistically the season isn't catching up with those two uh, players. They both went down with injury last year. They rehabbed at a breakneck pace throughout the offseason, throughout the summer, throughout fall camp, came back ready to play and here they are after week 8 and in some regards they look spent. Uh, they're playing like they're spent and so it could be the physical toll of the season uh, on a knee that's reconstructed on a last calendar year in which they've been nonstop in their uh, rehab uh, work. I don't know, again, not trying to play medic on a podcast, but these are the types of questions that are not unfair to ask. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what sort of spring in their step in the whole team, but these guys in particular, uh, they bring back from the bye and sort of down the home stretch. I'll talk about a player that I'd really, really like to see have an opportunity. And Saturday against Mississippi State, I thought really would have been an opportunity. Maybe I'm playing the result here, but I do think uh, uh, Jamarian Miller is a player, again, several weeks ago. Go back. I think it was maybe the Vanderbilt podcast. Go back, and I said, this is a guy that we need to figure out how to get carries. He's the type of running back that's far enough down the depth chart that he can get frustrated and transfer. We've seen it before, and we've liked to have those players back. I listed Uh, Keelan Robinson as a great example a couple years ago, and I stand by that. Jamarian Miller, I don't know the guy. I'm not predicting any sort of thing, but he's sort of bottled up now. There's some guys, Jason and Roydell, are coming back. There's some recruits that everyone sort of gets excited over, and Jamarian Miller is the kind of player sort of in that in-between fold that can get uh, looked over, and that's the fans more than the coaches. I certainly understand that. But it's an opportunity for Jameron to play and the fans to get excited about him because I think he does have a lot of fans out there. And he's a player that I thought in the games that he's played, everyone knows that Alabama running the ball. He still is successful in running the ball. And so against a Mississippi State where we're otherwise sort of bottled up, like I would have given him a series. That's just me. Uh, but I think I would have. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, if there's not an evolution of opportunity here as we move forward. I know I'm asking to play a freshman running back that's four or maybe five deep in uh, in a home stretch with uh, three or four SEC West teams. I get it. I see how that works. Uh, but I don't think I'm wrong on that either. Uh, wide receivers, we did talk about wide receivers There was an article And I read so much I forget where I read it So I want to give credit to someone I don't know who it is, so apologies But uh, there was a really good article And I hated it It asked the question Does Alabama really have a go-to number one wide receiver And I hate it because the answer needs to be An, an, an obvious no Why would you even write the article But I hate it because it's true It's so darn true uh, I With emphasis the answer is no, um, and, and that's frustrating. If we look at the Alabama wide receiver core, not necessarily those who caught passes on Saturday, though nearly I believe all of these players did. Going into the season, I thought Jermaine uh, Burton was going to be the number one sort of go-to wide receiver. I thought that he would have the, the bulk of the couch, uh, catches there. My prediction that he was going to repeat, uh, that he was going to exceed his numbers for two years in Georgia at one year at Alabama, that's clearly just not going to happen. And that leads to some very interesting conversations one could have about the wide receiver uh, uh, talent at uh, Georgia versus the quarterback talent and all of that. But we're not going to do we're not going to go there. Uh, We're just going to run through who do we think at various stages in time, who did we think would be the number one receiver at Alabama going into the season? I thought it would be uh, Jermaine Burton that clearly uh, has not proven true. Uh, the first couple of weeks, Treshawn Holden really made a bid at being the number one wide receiver, and he played very, very well. He's three years on the system, so he's a candidate to be a go-to uh, receiver. He's had quite a number of drop, drops. Uh, he's a passionate fella, Uh, and I, I, I wish that he would sort of hone in because he's got an incredible amount of talent. I don't know any of this to be true, but sweets uh, and such, it seems like he, he gets down when he gets down. Uh, maybe that creeps into his game, I support the kid, and he has all the talent in the world to be a go-to clutch wide receiver. We just need to see more of it uh, consistently. Uh, freshman Kobe Prentice very early on in the season made a bid to be uh, the guy, and we've had freshmen the guys uh, at Alabama, and so to have one would not have been uh, a surprise. He has been consistent after sort of leveling down, and so I don't think uh, he's really in contention that that you would – reasonably say that he's the number one go-to wide receiver the closest we might have to that is Ja'Corey Brooks and we've talked about him on the podcast the last several weeks that he's really elevated his game and uh, and and sometimes it's only a couple of catches but they're darn clutch catches and so Ja'Corey Brooks um, might be the closest thing Alabama has to a number one receiver and this is not me being mad at Ja'Corey But if Ja'Core is your number one wide receiver and he's two or three catches a game, then you don't. That's exactly why you don't have a number one uh, wide receiver. And it's why it's so damn frustrating uh, because we have all of this talent or the Tide certainly has all this talent. Now, it could be transitory. I want to be completely fair to the discussion. It could be transitory. JoJo Earl was having a fantastic bang-up fall and he gets injured. Last couple weeks, uh, he has come on strong uh, coming back from injury. Limited number of catches, but... Uh, He had one of the more spectacular uh, scramble, throws, touchdowns uh, Saturday against Mississippi State. So uh, Jojo Earl potentially could step into that. Uh, Another true freshman, there's a number of them, uh, Isaiah Bond is uh, peeking his head up and making plays. Enough to be qualified as the number one? Absolutely not. Uh, Is there talent and potential there? Absolutely yes. And then uh, another player making his debut is uh, Saturday or was uh, uh, Louisville transfer, Tyler Harrell. Now, he had he caught one pass, and so in no way am I uh, positioning him as the number one uh, go-to receiver for Alabama. Please don't hear me say that, uh, but we want to give a little bit of nod or attention uh, to the fact that he – he's alive he's a real person he's on the roster uh, and he saw action Saturday and in fact caught a uh, caught a pass from uh, Jalen Milroe would have liked to have seen more of him but hopefully that's a precursor uh, for for more to come and so we'll see two more weeks of rest uh, for him because he's coming off an injury uh, we'll see how that goes again now this is week eight if this were week three or four, if this were a month ago and we were throwing the blanket over uh, all of these wide receivers, as we did on on this and other forums, as as we did, then that's one thing. At week eight, the fact that no one really has surfaced or emerged uh, from this group, that's where the frustration comes in because, because the sense is, my sense is that the talent is there. That, uh, but no one is really seasoning. Someone sort of needs to sit on attack and, and jump up and declare himself the uh, the leading, uh, the number one sort of go to receiver, and then execute and lead in that way. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, offensive line, we'll keep this short and sweet. Uh, offensive line just plays better when Seth McLaughlin plays. Um, I'm not mad at Dowcourt, uh, and Dowcourt is no Chris Owens uh, in in sort of that that flow of the conversation. Also, Dalcor is is no Seth McLaughlin, and so when Seth is right, the offensive line plays better. I can't explain it. Uh, I think he gets the calls right. I think he settles down uh, the offensive line physically. Uh, if you lined him up and asked them to fight one another, I think Dalcor would win. But that's not what plan center is all about. Uh, it's a it's a good portion of it, or it is, certainly is a portion of it, but it's not all. And um, McLaughlin uh, brings enough fight uh, to the position. And he also brings. I want to be careful saying the cere- cerebral side or the thinking portion of the game because I don't mean that in any way towards towards Dowcutt at all. I just think I, I just think Seth just is a calming presence and he gets the calls. And uh, the offensive line as a whole plays better when he's when he's in there. I did see that, uh, and we talked about this last week. Uh, Seth was taken out at the very end of the Tennessee game. And only I went back and watched that again. That's where he suffered through the. The end of that, my memory had told me that that the drive, that last entire final drive that uh, Seth was out and Dar- Dalcor played, and uh, which was impressive, and we gave him the mini game ball and such. I went back and watched it looking for when did Seth go down and how did it look on the field. And what's interesting is I didn't see. I went back and watched that drive again, and Seth actually started that drive, and he played – Actually, most of that drive. I think we said it was a 12-play drive. He played most of that drive. Uh, Dalkard only came in for the last three or four. and But but the last two plays that Seth played, maybe the last three, there was one point where he looked like he sort of kicked out his knee, like he was trying to unlock his knee or, or, or something. That could be nothing. But the last two plays – that he played, he, he, he looked poor. He looked poor in his execution. He didn't look fully sort of physically there. And I wonder if, if he was pulled at that or said something. I don't know. There was a timeout, and they went to commercial, the broadcast team did, and there was a timeout for an injured player that was a Tennessee player. And during that timeout, during that commercial break, during all of that sort of attention to the Tennessee player that was down, it's not inappropriate. Uh, Seth was removed. And so the the crew never uh, never caught that, never made mention of it. And, and to this day, I've tried to find uh, content on it and I cannot. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, hopefully this next week, there'll be some uh, Saban's really particular about his injury reports, but hopefully there'll be some information, some intel coming out. And hopefully we'll hear that Seth is back to full form. And ready to go uh, again. He could have been one of the players that could have played uh, had there been more of a critical need. And again, not playing to the opponent, but sometimes you play to the opponent. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. More to come. Uh, let's see a couple quick facts here. Uh, quick thoughts. Uh, Herb Street was right. We need more. Uh, Alabama needs more Camla too. Uh, I'm really, if he's a stock, I'm buying up his stock at least for uh, the balance of the season. Camilla too, I think is. Uh, has the potential to be maybe not explosive, uh, but certainly moving the chains and he's certainly capable of touchdowns. So we'd like to see that uh, we'd like to see more of that down the home stretch. If he gets a touchdown, uh, if he gets five touchdowns over these next four games that will not surprise me at all. I don't think he averages two, but if he has uh, if he gets six in the four, that would not surprise me at all. He's that kind of player and and when the tide goes to him, uh, he can be that productive, so I I I say look for uh, Latu down the home stretch here. And then a the final thought that I'll uh, I'll speak to on uh, offense is Jalen Milrow. When Jalen Milrow comes into the game, run his offense. Don't run a watered down version of his offense. Run his offense. Uh, I think for my money, I would have brought Milrow in a series early, earlier, maybe two series earlier. Uh, you've rested. You've held out a lot of guys. Uh, for injury, you've got Bryce coming back from an injury. Your de- defense is doing work. Take Bryce out and give Jalen an opportunity to run his offense. One of the sort of the knocks on uh, Jalen is that he never really got to run his offense because his offense is more It doesn't even make sense. It's aggressive, although it's running. Um, more running based. And so even when he went in and in relief, relief duty, he wasn't really able to take the lid off of what it is that he was capable of doing. And then when he started, he really didn't have an opportunity to, to do that either. And so put him in, in a game like this, let him play the f- the fourth quarter, uh, maybe up into the third and, and spend the bulk of that time two or three or four possessions would, however the clock sort of rolls out and let him, Cook, let him do what he does. Run his uh, flip to that page of the uh, of the playbook; those pages, and let him run that. We didn't see that on Saturday. Uh, it's not Melrose's fault. Uh, I, if I'm blaming, uh, that's I, I point to coaches on that. But I, I found that a little bit frustrating, and uh, I wish we had uh, really given an opportunity to showcase his. Uh, his capability at a point in time, we left the starter in to, to, to hopefully score more points, but we know he's injured. Put Jalen in and try to let him score points, and uh, let's see what he can do. Let's let's find out what we really have there at that position uh, with with the backup there, giving him uh, another opportunity. So, uh, feel strongly about that. All right, let's flip the field to defense, and uh, defense is really where uh, Alabama needed to make the biggest statement coming out of Tennessee. It's also the position where Alabama had the most players out uh, for injury. And it's also the side of the ball where Alabama had the absolute most success against Mississippi State. So that's an interesting sort of mix of events. Uh, Alabama had two defensive linemen uh, who sat. uh, couple that with uh, Justin O'Boyby, who's been out for multiple weeks. He had an injury just as we thought he was going to burst. He had a a neck injury in in camp uh, or in practice that has held him out. I hear that there's some seriousness to that injury and no timeline for his return. Uh, There's two linebackers in the two deep that were out, and one cornerback was out. I think that was more of a coaching decision. I hesitate to say that he was benched, but uh, we'll talk about the cornerback here in just a minute. And, yes, that's the lead we're burying. Uh, But let's, you know, like we say, let's step this through. At the defensive line position, Jaheim Otis and DJ Dale both sat out. Uh, Again, no reports of a specific injury. And again, Saban has said before, two weeks of injury is better than one week of injury. It's more than twice than than good uh, than better than than a one week injury. And the idea is just a sustained rest uh, for the player, uh, especially for usage injuries. And we know DJ Dale has one. There's a knee sort of. I don't want to say degenerative. I don't want to go that far. But he has a knee. He has a a a knee injury that is sort of lingering from from prior knee injuries. And I and I do think it gives him trouble at times. And so two weeks rest is going to freshen him up. I'm not exactly sure uh, what the uh, the issue was with Jaheim. I hope that he is good, a true freshman starter that has played very, very well. And so hopefully these guys are going to come back. I suspect that they will. Again, had it been uh, a different game, a different context, I think potentially one or both of them would have played. In their absence, and Saban was spot on, in their absence, we did see some additional players uh, uh, perform, and they looked the the range of of pretty good and certainly something that we can build from, and it gives them confidence. We saw a lot more Tim Smith. Now, we like Tim Smith. He's played very, very well uh, last year and this year. We saw some uh, Jamil uh, Burroughs. Now, we haven't seen a whole lot of him, but he's flashed in in the past, and so he's a player that I'd like to see – uh, earn a greater opportunity on the field. We saw Damon Payne and we saw uh, John Moran Lathan uh, get some additional run as well. So hopefully that's going to bolster the defensive line, give us more options at that position and uh, get some of these guys back. If Jaheim and DJ have injuries that, that essentially are usage and we have these uh, additional players that can, that can take reps and, then, then that's a way of, of sort of distru- uh, distributing uh, playing time through the balance of the season. So Otis and DJ stay a little more fresh for those four games uh, while not having to play the full uh, games if we have uh, additional guys that are ready to go. So watch for that rotation uh, across the defensive front as we enter the home stretch. I'm saying that a lot. Uh, it's the it's visual. We have four games to end this out. Three of them are SEC West games. This is – uh, this is the, the hit in the fan moment, uh, or uh, our time frame, uh, November is, for this Alabama uh, team. Uh, two linebackers, Deontay Lawson, who has been, uh, I've said, platooning with uh, Jalen Moody. Uh, some might at this point say he's starting ahead of Moody. Can't argue against that. And uh, Kendrick Blackshear uh, sat out. He's in the too deep at the position. Uh, Henry Toe has become an intriguing player, and not in the ways that we said, uh, he may have been an intriguing player earlier in the season. Uh, Saturday, he had 13 tackles or was in on 13 tackles, so he's clearly very active and contributing in that regard. But he also just seems to be absent, uh, at times too. And I can't put my finger on it, there's a just a, a cross section there where he, somehow he's racking up a, a lot of uh, tackles, uh, but then he goes dormant and quiet not from a stat standpoint, but just visually not present on the field that, uh, it appears. I don't know if there was some sort of voodoo that I think this started last week at Tennessee where he did not have his best game. Uh, I don't know if there's some sort of voodoo, uh, with, uh, with Tennessee where he played his first two years at, uh, but we need to, we need to scrub that off, um, go through, uh, sort of one of those, uh, radiation shower systems or something and get that Tennessee funk off of him, Uh, so he can come back down the home stretch and play like he was earlier in the season where he truly was all over the field and was borderline spectacular. So that's the Toa Toa uh, that we want to see. So come on, Hank, we're rooting for you. And uh, Jalen Moody is a guy I'd like to see on the on the field more often. I'm not my, mad at any of the linebackers uh, per se. Uh, Deontay Lawson, I think, has a lot of talent, more in coverage. I think he's more of an athletic uh, player than is Jalen Moody. But damn it, Jalen Moody just makes plays. And so I'd like to see some more Jalen Moody on the field. I know he's box forward versus, you know, in coverage. I understand all that. Let's find a way to get him on the field more often. Uh, that's, that's sort of something I would say there. I want to talk defensive backs. And, uh, again, there's two in, in particular, I guess maybe three in particular, that I want to speak to. And I'm going to start with the one that's not the one you think I'm going to start with. Uh, the defensive back position. I just want to give hats off to uh, DeMarco Helms. He had a phenomenal day on Saturday. He had 12 tackles or was in on 12 tackles. He had a sack. He had two uh, pass deflections. And I want to be very clear. This is not DeMarco Hellams raising his level of play from the Tennessee game. This is DeMarco Hellams deployed in a way that maximizes his skill set. He's not playing uh, the deep quarter of the field is a free safety. He's playing box forward. He's a box forward safety. When you use him as a box forward safety, these are the kinds of numbers uh, that you give him. I understand you have to play to your opponent, but rotate personnel. Uh, Demarco Helm's it was almost criminally it was almost criminal how he was used against Tennessee, and all the highlight reels are going to show him getting burned, which is incredibly unfortunate. Uh, misfortunate. I don't think that's a fair representation of his skill set, uh, his talent set, and there's not a damn NFL team that is going to care about his deep coverage in the deep middle of the field because that's not why they're going to bring him onto their team. And so that's why that's so Alabama needs to use him in that way. Yes, I'm a little bit frustrated about that, but I'm so excited that Demarco, I'm going to say, bounce back from a mental standpoint, not from a play standpoint. It would have been it'd be easy for a player to kind of go in the tank. And he did not. He came back and said, damn it, I'm going to do what I do. And I'm going to do it as well as I do. And he did. Let's talk about uh, probably the buried lead of the entire podcast. And that's Eli Ricks. Holy shit. Where did he come from? Incredible buzz all season. And it wasn't positive buzz. Uh, It was an unhappy player as a disgruntled player. He hasn't he's not practicing to a standard. He's not all of this. He's recovering from injury. What's true? What's not true? I don't know but what is true is you put him on the field saturday against mississippi state and he was lights out he was incredible he had four pass breakups which is an incredible number all by itself uh, I think that's a function of the Mississippi State game plan, probably ready to target Terry and Arnold. And the reason, and this is not mad at Terry and Arnold, this is because Mississippi State has two very tall receivers, and so they're going to target the shorter defensive back. Go back to the interview we had with Mississippi State. We said that's exactly what they're going to do. The tall receiver, the 6'4 guy, is going to go is, is going to catch balls over Terry and Arnold. Alabama's going to have to be prepared for that. Well, little did I know prepared was bringing in another Defensive back, a taller defensive back, a lankier defensive back, a a defensive back with an incredible reach, a reach to the extent when he's out of position, he's still in position batting, batting away balls. And we talk all the time, we talk with regularity, particularly defensive players. We talk about them being comfortable on the field. Well, Eli Ricks was not just comfortable in the field. He was having a blast. He was having more fun on the field than I think anyone else, partly because he probably probably feels he's been caged up all season and he was ready to let loose. And let loose he did, Uh, certainly let his skill set shine and register quite a number of big plays. This Alabama team down the stretch – If there's Kool-Aid on one side, who teams are starting to demonstrate uh, an unwillingness or lack of willingness to throw to, and now Eli is emergent on the other side, now you potentially have two. I don't want to say lockdown. I don't want to shut down. Those are big terms when it comes to corners. But you have those two corners manning the outside edge. You really start to compress the field. It's like when you start to pass out uh, and and sort of your vision goes black and, and it starts and it gets more and more narrow those two cornerbacks start to start to shrink the field of vision for, uh, for an opposing team, for an opposing cornerback. That is going to be exciting to see uh, down the home stretch. That is a defensive wrinkle that this team uh, has available to it, and that will be fun to see. I do think, and I look forward to, and I'm predicting some sort of defensive package with Terran Arnold at free safety, man in the deep middle. Maybe he comes in for Malachi Moore when we go to a dime. Uh, I don't know. I think I would. Is he better than Malachi Moore? Some days I might say yes. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think I would uh, I would move Terrian around a little bit. I look forward to some opportunity uh, to see him at a free safety. And then if we've got – we talk about corner types. How many corner types do we have on the field? Well, if we've got three guys – that have started at corner for this team, and they're all in the field together. I like the way that sounds. Uh, I like the the potential that that could do. I know Terrian was brought in as a safety. He just has is corner capable cover in coverage, and so he played at corner. Moving him back to safety, I don't think is outside of his skill set. I think he spent two years uh, practicing most of his time at safety. So. I think moving him in uh, maybe in in a dime situation, which is already sort of a limited platform to begin with, we may see that as early as LSU. That may be the next evolution of the Eli uh, Ricks wrinkle, if I can say all that. That may be the next evolution is to bring Terry and Arnold at the free safety. So that will be uh, phenomenal to see. All right, let's talk special teams. Not a whole lot here. Uh, We'll hit a couple points. Will Reichert was three for three with a long of 50. Let's nod, let's celebrate, let's be pleased, and let's move on. Uh, We don't want to wallow in the other. Uh, Burnup was six punts, 222 yards, average of 37, had a long of 50, had three inside the 20. And as I was writing this out, I thought, I know who James Burnup is. And I don't have a name to put to it, although I could probably do some research and find a name that I would put to it. it. Burnup is not an all-star punter. He's not going to be the guy that you ever – now, hopefully I'm wrong. Prove me wrong. I don't think Burnup's ever a player that you say, "Wow, holy cow, huge punt." Our punter is a weapon. I don't think uh, JJ Scott was our uh, Scott, the Scott kid. He was that. Our punter is like he's gonna. I don't mind punting because our punter's gonna reverse the field, put us in better position when we get the offense again. JK Scott uh, Burnup will never be that. Burnup this year over last year has improved, so I don't think Burnup's a dog. Uh, in any way, he's a punter that you refill your glass when he's punting. There's he's not going to do anything excited. It's going to be it's going to be it's going to be a perfunctory punt. There's not going to be any super exciting pedestrian. I guess is the word I use uh, in that context. That's who James Burnup is. I'm not mad at it. I'm just it just has dawned on me that's what it is, and so I need to not have outsized expectations. Uh, hell, we went all the way to Australia to get him, so. You have some expectations. I'm going to dial down my expectations, and I'm going to say he is what it is, and I'm going to stop getting mad at it, and, uh, and I'm going to sleep better at night, and uh, so that'll be good. Kickoffs and kickoff returns. Uh, Alabama had zero kickoff returns, and that may be the best stat of the day, and it's really true uh, for two reasons. Certainly, Mississippi State, State didn't score. Uh, they literally did not score until there was one second left on the clock, and there was going to be no kickoff on that. So for all intents and purposes, Mississippi State didn't score, so there were no kickoffs uh, as a result. And the one kickoff that Alabama did have, they didn't try to run it out and get a 22-yard gain on a punt return or a kickoff return because that's a bullshit stat. And so uh, when I see zero return yards, that makes me happy. And uh, now zero punt return yards, not pleased with that. And uh, in fact, I'm going to say it's surprising. Is it really that easy to shut down Kool-Aid McKinstry in the punt return game? Surely not, except for what? This is the third team that's done it? I don't understand. Kool-Aid McKinstry was lighting fires earlier in the season, and when we took him out, Branch had a touchdown, and there was another punt returner. uh, I'm thinking Lama Monroe, or Vanderbilt. I can't remember. Uh, I think three punters just had all-star days at the punt return game. There was clearly something that the Alabama's punt return team was doing right and Vanderbilt's punt return team uh, co- coverage team was doing wrong uh, such that three returnees had uh, incredible days uh, returning punts. Well, apparently you can't bottle that forward because Alabama's entered a stretch here uh, with teams that just allow bupkus, uh when it comes to punt returns. Um, in fact, I'll be honest with you, I wish we had zero punt returns against Tennessee, but that's another conversation for uh, for another day. But what is it about these teams that are preventing Kool-Aid? I think it's the sky kick. I think it's the coverage. Maybe they're better teams. I don't know. Is it? It's just almost too coincidental that three in a row have just completely shut down uh, Alabama's punt return game when it was so explosive. It was a contrib- contributing component of the offense uh, it scored a couple of times, but certainly moving the ball, getting a first down every time there was a punt. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. Can all the teams down the stretch, and you know, I guess I'll include uh, Austin P. in there. Can all the teams uh, down the stretch bottle up McKinstry in the same way? Well, it's categorically no because Austin P. is not going to be able to. But can the other teams on the roster, the LSU, the Ole Miss, and the Auburn? I don't think they all will. So that's going to be interesting uh, to see. And hopefully Kool-Aid is maintaining his level of readiness uh, for that to happen. And I'm confident that he will. All right. So what's next up? You know what? It's a bye week. And so we all team included, or maybe we start with a team and us two, uh, need a little rest. We need a little self scouting and we need to stay smart. We need to stay out of trouble. You know who you are out there. We need this team to pull it all together. As Tide fans, we need this Alabama team to pull it all together. And if they don't, we'll drop another t- we'll drop another game down the home stretch. Again, is it Ole Miss or LSU? That's the likely candidates. If this team doesn't pull it all together, those two road games, there's two road games and two home games. If this team doesn't pull it all together, then Alabama drops one of those road games. We don't want that to happen. We're not rooting for it. We're just calling it like we see it. So this team needs to work hard over the bye week to improve, to address what needs to be addressing. We need to flash forward to week nine, or it's going to be week 10. We're still playing like it's week four, trying to figure shit out. We need to play like it's week nine, like we have this shit figured out, and play like that. That team, that Alabama team, with their shit figured out, is going to be one of the better teams in the country and has a legit chance to play for the national title. That is what Saban and the coaching staffs and all the speakers they could ever try to bring in. That's the message they need to tell the team. Get your shit straight and you can play for a national title because the talent is there. If you're going to sort of jerk around and not get it all together and everyone gets a turn making a mistake, you will drop one of those two games. You'll be out of the playoffs, potentially out of the SEC championship game. Again, Let's fix that. Uh, Let's use the bye week for good. All right. With that, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Aye. Of course. Roll Tide.